Hey everybody, I want to take a second to tell you about Snagit 2022. I don't have time to go into all the details about Snagit 2022, but it has a variety of options for fast and easy to use video creation. It's got new ways to work across devices and platforms with the new cloud library. And your purchase or upgrade includes your first year of maintenance and the newly updated Snagit certification course. With 20 plus videos of Snagit how-tos, certification is a great way to help you speed up your workflows, unlock potential, and get your work done faster. So check out Snagit 2022 today at snagit.com. And now, back to the podcast. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, wherever you are, wherever you're watching from. We're so glad that you're here with us today. If you're listening live or you're listening to the recording afterwards, we're so grateful that you're taking some time out of your day. We're gonna be continuing our series on creating tutorial videos. And if you're a creator of any type of kind of instruction, whether it's for customer education, whether you're doing it for internal purposes, or maybe someone just asks you a question at work and says, well, and they say, how do I do that? You're making a video. We've got a lot of tips to help you walk through that. And if you haven't seen the previous episodes, the last couple episodes of the Visual Lounge are available. You can go watch those on YouTube, listen to them on the podcast, wherever you like to, or wherever you like to consume your information. We've got another fantastic guest today. Uh, we're gonna be talking about kind of that pre-recording stage, what kind of things you can do. How do you make it so if you're gonna be making lots of tutorial videos, are there steps that you can take, things that you can do to minimize that? But before we do that, I wanna make you all aware of an upcoming opportunity. We've partnered with a company thought called Thinkific, and you know, I, I was reading this, but then I said, you know what? Matt, you're a video creator, let's make a video. I am so excited to announce that we've partnered with Zaylee Barclay and Thinkvic to support Thinking Color 2021. And let's not bury the lead. We've got an exciting opportunity to help you on your way to creating your own digital product. Three lucky members of the TechSmith community can win six months free on Thinkific. All you have to do to be entered in for a chance to win is register for the event at our exclusive link that we'll put in the chat. Kicking off on July 27th, this free virtual event series will showcase 15 plus amazing female digital entrepreneurs, hosting talks and workshops that can help you create, market, and sell your own digital content. Register now for free and get access to an amazing lineup of speakers and their insightful workshops. And don't forget that chance to win six months free of Thinkific. I mean, what a great opportunity. Hopefully you all go take a chance to register. Lots of free learning opportunities there, which we're all about here in the Visual Lounge and at TechSmith. We love learning. Now, let's get on to today's show talking about more learning opportunities. So do you ever have one of those people in your life that you meet and you just have no idea what kind of influence you're gonna have on one another? Well, today's guest is someone that I first met at an event at TechSmith that was called Camptasia. I know it's a play on words. Camptasia was really funny, haha. So, but she was awesome. And whether it was the sum of that interaction, if it's one event that, uh, you know, there's that one event and then there was, I got a chance to meet her husband who came to work for TechSmith, um, but, she then came to work for TechSmith, which is amazing, and you probably know some of her work. If you've listened to any of the Snagit tutorials recently, it's Chandra's work. If you've been to what, some of her webinars on Snagit, Chandra's been doing those. So, you know, I had this great opportunity to get to sit on her interview, to get to meet her, and she is someone who I, I, I want you all to know. She's a solid instructional designer. She is uh, amazingly kind, and she's someone who loves to help customers and cares about them being successful along with her coworkers. It's fantastic. 
And so she's the kind of person that you want to know and be associated with, and she's just fantastic. So she is an instructional designer at TechSmith. She creates content on the customer education team that includes video, written tutorials, and webinars. And prior to joining TechSmith, she worked for 13 years in higher education, managing training and social media. Her loves are family, paddleboarding, learning guitar, and trying to surf Lake Michigan. With that, please help me welcome Chandra Owen to the Visual Lounge. Hi, Chandra. Thanks, Thanks so much, Matt. You are welcome. I, I'm excited to get to talk to you because you're someone that I, I always, you know, we, we probably don't get a chance now. Our teams, we, you know, you were on the marketing team for a little bit and now, you know, remote is harder. But I always just, I always feel so good when I talk to you. So I'm excited to, to come away from today just feeling good and excited about the work that we get to do every single day. Yeah, I know. I always, you know, get inspired as well by seeing what content you're creating too. So yeah, I'm happy to be here today. So if we could high five, I'd high five right now. So, <laughs> so Chandra, obviously there's a lot, you know, I, I said a lot of things, but is there anything else you would want our audience to know about you before we jump into some more content today? Um, yeah, I think you summed it up pretty well. Um, really, my passion is, you know, learning about things that might be complicated and trying to break them apart and make them a little bit easier to understand. So it was kind of weird. I did uh, financial aid uh, in higher education for 13 years, working in both the tech area and with students, trying to explain very complicated information. And now I am at TechSmith, where I get to learn from super smart program developers um, who are creating these great tools, Snagit, Camtasia, and our other tools. And then I get to create tutorials and try to break those down and make them easier for people to understand. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I love that you've been able to make that shift to something very different and still uh, essentially be applying some of the same kind of fundamental ideas and thoughts. So yeah. I'm curious, as I kind of want to start high level here, and we'll get kind of into some more specifics. When you're making decisions, and particularly we'll talk about your experiences at TechSmith, when you're making decisions yes. about whether this should be a tutorial video, a written thing, or something else, what, mm -hmm. what thoughts, questions are going through your mind to help you start making that kind of plan? Yeah. Um, one of the things I would say is if the topic, if as you're creating it and say you're trying to write it out and you really feel like, you know what, having visuals and showing somebody rather than writing step-by-step step might be the way to go, then I definitely go for video in that case. Um, but there's other times where it's a lot of settings and system preferences and things like that um, that might be better off as a written step-by-step -step tutorial. And it's something that our team is always trying to work on and improve to, uh, to make those calls. So what we typically do is we start with all the topics that we want to create content for. Um, we use a lot of different data-driven and feedback from, if you attend our webinars and you fill out a Q&A and ask us a question, we look back at those uh, spreadsheets and we say, hey, here's a common question that came up. We should probably create some content to help people with that particular topic. Yeah, I, well, I love that, that you're looking at the data. I love that you're trying to understand better the need, kind of the point of need for, for the customers because that seems to be, to be really important. Let me ask you this, because I think data is awesome. And obviously some people struggle to have data. Some people, we're lucky we've got quite a bit of data. How much yeah. of when you're making those final decisions about like, these, this is the list, is there any gut mm -hmm. or intuitiveness to, to what you're deciding on? Because I, I know for me, I, 
I work that way a lot. Unfortunately, I probably need to rely more to the data, but what about you? Yeah, deciding between written and uh, video type decisions. Yeah, the, the, whether it's gonna be written, video, uh, or, or even topic-wise. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. Um, yeah, I think it kind of comes along as you might even start working on the topic and then decide, you know what, this would be better in one avenue or the other. And I think, yeah, complexity has a big, um, it is a big decider in that as well. Um, yeah, if you find you're writing 40 steps out, then that's probably gonna be hard for somebody and it might be better to create a video or even, um, you know, written text with an image to show them those 40 steps. Yeah, I, ho I hope we're not having to go through a 40 step process. I don't know <laughs> yeah. if you have many of those that you work on, but yeah, that's, probably, yeah. Probably not oh. too many, like media maps or something like that. You know, there's a few, I guess they're not too complicated, maybe not 40 steps, but there are a few advanced, um, a few advanced features that take a little bit longer than uh, some of our other processes. But, but I like that idea, right? That you're, you're also taking, so there's lots of factors, like what do people want? What do they need? What are they going to be looking mm -hmm. at? But then also taking into consideration like the complexity. And I think that's something that is really good to note for everybody listening that video oftentimes, like you can video, you can see the complexity versus having to explain the complexity. One, just maybe one of the advantages. So Chandra, and I know you've done, you've gone through massive kind of, we do releases, maybe, Will you explain maybe for everybody the release process? Like, cause you're not just making usually one video, you know, here every couple of weeks or something, but explain what the process looks like when we have a product release. Cause I think it's a little different. Sure. So for our team, let's say, let's go back to say 2020. Um, we had a major release of Camtasia um, around April of 2020. And then we had another major release for Snagit around October 2020. So what our team typically does is months before a release, we are already attending meetings to see what are the new features that are coming out. Um, if some of them might just be, you know, speeding up the video engine, and, and that's not something I necessarily need to make a tutorial for all the time. But then another might be, um, you know, we're adding, like recently, we just added picture in picture to snag it. And that's something people really, I'm sure want to know about and know how to use it. So that's where I start to kind of create my list of what uh, I want to create tutorials and help people learn with the new release. Um, yeah, we typically have, um, you know, the, the amount varies on how many new features are coming out and how many are related to, you know, things that are customer facing. Um, so let's say, you know, 13 wouldn't be an unusual uh, number of tutorials. But then when you think about that we may have two other languages or more that we translate, that's, you know, if it's like 11, next thing you know, we've got 33 uh, videos to work on. Now we do have, we have people we work with for localization. So thankfully our team of three instructional designers don't have to create all 33 tutorials in two months time. Um, but yeah, that's how we get started. Yeah, I mean, and it's that that's a it's all in a very short time frame, right? Because yeah. uh, software development is is one it's a moving target, and so you only have a limited amount of time when it's well, air, can we air quote this done, uh, <laughs> yeah, done. to <laughs> to when the release is? So that's a, that's an amazing thing. And so 
let, let's talk a little bit about some of the, the steps in there, right? So you've kind of, you, yeah. you talked a little bit how you're deciding what, what goes in there, but um, are, you know, last week we talked to Lee Rodriguez, he works for a company called Sunrun. He talked about, you know, some of the models he uses kind of an Addy as an agile project mm -hmm. management type methodology and the five mm -hmm. moments in need. When you and your team that you work on are, are going through the design process, are there are, are, are you fi following a general kind of addy, analyze, design, develop, implement, evaluate, or are you kind of mixing things up? What, what's the process look like for you at this point? I do think we follow Addy quite a bit. Um, yeah, so our process is typically that analyzing, I would say, is that research piece that we start with to come up with the topics and learn about and work with subject matter experts. And then we have our list of topics and we use, um, for us, we use Asana as our project management software. So we'd start to build out uh, cards for each topic we create Google Docs. We have one template uh, for our scripts. It, it kind of it includes what are the objectives for this tutorial? What are some special notes I need to know? Um, if we learned certain, say, marketing says, you know, we really want you to emphasize and make sure you show that picture and picture can be moved around on the screen or something like that, that might be um, included in that template. And then we write our scripts and get started from there. Um, yeah, a lot of, you know, we have definitely have a, we have our cards um, in Asana, so our project management that have each step as we go through the tutorial process. So there are quite a few steps, review rounds, um, and we keep making updates until we really love the product that we have and can publish that. So all in all, from start to finish, when you're making a video, and I know it's always different, depends on the video, the topic, the complexity, generally, yeah. how long are we talking you're, you're spending on this? Because I think this is a question a lot of people, mm -hmm. how long should I invest into a, making a video? Mm -hmm. um, I like to give myself, a, because of the research piece as well, so I'm typically working with other people and my subject matter experts, I would say two weeks is a common time frame from research to writing scripts, to review, to recording, um, audio and video and editing, and then sending that and organizing those files and sending them off for localization. Yeah, well, that's not, I mean, that's not very long. And these are typically anywhere from two to four minutes. Is that about right? Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. Okay, cool. So, okay, so we've got this analysis piece. Let's talk about script writing, because that's, mm -hmm. uh, you know, we, we are advocates of writing scripts. We, we are fans of writing scripts at TechSmith. We teach people that they should write scripts, but what does mm -hmm. that process look like? Is this something that you're doing, you know, you're just kind of going in, in your head and putting it down? Or are you, you know, talking it out loud? What's your process for writing a script when it comes to these tutorials? Yeah, uh, good question. So I start with my objectives. I want to make sure I know each feature or each piece that needs to be included in the video. So I kind of have bullet points at the top of my Google Doc uh, script doc that make sure that as I'm going along, I hit on each of the the um, objectives that I want in the video or in the script. Um, I Everyone's script's a little different here on my team. We have some people who love to co-write and they'll go in a room together. I know Doug and Andy um, on our team, they really love to go in a room and they can just like come up with words and write together. Um, 
and have a blast doing it that way. I'm more of like, I need quiet and kind of to go off and brainstorm what words I want to use and maybe some creative ways to show the process. Um, yeah, and in thinking about what we call, we call the mock assets. So think about what example can both teach this process, but also, you know, be a really great example of uh, what, what end product can I come up with while I teach somebody how to use Snagit or how to use Camtasia? Yeah. Um, and, yeah. Well, I was going to ask you, could, could you talk? So there's so many pieces here. Like I yeah. think it's, it's one of is this, what, what, it's so fascinating. It's interesting because I used to make tutorial videos, I think as, as you probably know, Chandra, but for others that are watching, yeah. I used to make videos way back in uh, grade plus ago, you know, and it's yeah. interesting to see how the process has evolved and gotten much I think much better, first of all, much more focused and, and streamlined, but these mock assets that you talk about, mm -hmm. you, so it's interesting, you're, you're talking about writing something, but this is a key piece of it. What, what are the mock assets? Like, and you don't have to go into great detail, mm -hmm. but for someone that's gonna do their own tutorial videos, what mm -hmm. would this mean for them? What kind of things do they need? Yeah, the first one of the things I start with is thinking about my audience. So just a little while back when we had a lot of teachers who were moving from um, go, teaching in person to online, we would we would think, you know, if I know my audience is going to be a lot of teachers or professors, what are some common tools that or use cases they might be using our tools for? And let's create some pretend assets. So for example, I had one uh, that I was talking about that where I included a PowerPoint presentation uh, is part of, so in this case, it was somebody, who, uh, say it was a teacher who was recording themselves talking through a PowerPoint presentation lesson and using picture in picture. So I created a PowerPoint that was like Geography 101 and kind of had a few slides. Um, also something to keep in mind though, is if you are translating those, that's another thing I think about is can I make this language agnostic? Can I take out and use something like simplifying uh, is one term we use here at, at TechSmith a lot. So um, using rectangles to show where text would be rather than actual texts so that when I use that mock asset, it can be used in every language. Um, so those are the type of questions that we think. And before we start on our, so right, like if we're starting to work on a release coming up, before we even start our first video, we typically meet and think about what kind of mock assets would we need? Do we need a, a scrolling website because we're going to show scrolling capture? Do we need a project board that goes from left to right because we're going to show panoramic and how it slides back and forth? Those are... Um, just one big piece already of the planning process. Yeah, I, so I think what I'm taking away from this is in, in the instructional design process, in the process of creating these tutorial videos, obviously you've got to have the thing to show the, so that in this mm -hmm. your case, it's snag it, right? You've got to have a good script and you got to think about kind of the stakeholders, the audience, all the pieces, you know, you mentioned earlier, you know, you're thinking about, oh, marketing wants us to show this or that as a customer yep. education group, that makes sense. Yep. But even then we're thinking this third, this kind of third piece is what, what can we actually show? And I, I know that seems like a very simple idea, right? But uh, I want to lay this out maybe even in broader terms for people who are listening. And like, I think about like, if you have a database that has personally identifying information, you can't show that yes. in a video, right? Yes. You have a, like our, one of the, our challenges, we used to show our own website or other mm -hmm. products and that gets 
confusing. Like, yes. which product am I looking at? You can't make a video about Snagit that shows Snagit, right? Like, it's very meta and problematic. And so I think I love this that you're you're laying out like in that scripting phase and kind of with along with it, we'll we'll maybe a side along is mm -hmm. it's you're almost doing a kind of a part of the storyboarding in in a sense of thinking. What are we going to show? And and the nice thing is TechSmith has made these mock assets that can be used in multiple projects in multiple ways. Because mm -hmm. I remember the days of trying to go out and find every release so about every year or two and mm -hmm. thinking about what can we show that's not going to get us in copyright problems? <laughs> what's what, yeah. what's going to be dynamic enough? It's going to look good. And I can tell you it was it was tough every year. So I love that you guys are doing that. And I think anyone can benefit from doing that, right? Like if you have mm -hmm. just stock, I don't know if stock is the right word, but kind of generic content that you can pull in. It makes all your tutorial videos so much easier. So I think that's, yeah. I mean, that's a great takeaway from today already. I want to, I want to insert a question here from our audience. It's, you know, sure. this guy, Jason Vlade, Jason? Oh. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Jason Vlad's asking, <laughs> uh, going back to, you're talking about the, the, the video time, how long it takes you, you know, start to finish. Mm -hmm. He, he said two weeks is true for tier one videos. Yes. He said about what other tiers, I think, first of all, what, what, what are you talking about tiers? Cause that's not mm -hmm. something I think everyone's uh, familiar with. And then yeah. how long does it take these other tiers to take, to make? Yeah, I, I, that's a great point. So we do have, so our team met um, not too long ago and tried to think about quality and quantity and time and whether we could start producing videos faster than the two weeks. Do we need to take two weeks on every video? And we came up with a tier system. So for our tier one, that's our highest tier, the most polished of our videos. So if that's something, those would be things that are included in our products. So, you know, you don't want to just throw, slap together a video that's gonna be right within the product um, or our getting started series. That's another one we want to be nice and polished. But there's other times where someone, we just might see like we we're talking about looking at some of the um, customer feedback and they may have this common question, how do I do this? How do I do this? And you're like, how can I quick, you know, I, instead of spending two weeks on, on an answer, um, I'm gonna do, in this case, maybe it would be, we have tier one, two, and three. So one is our most polished, two probably has a script, but may, you know, just a little less polish. And three is really those start your, you know, start recording, no script, just talk through it and then, you know, publish it uh, and share it. So a help, like a support, a quick support video would be more of a tier three. And that would only take as long as it pretty much takes you to hit the record button and then maybe do a few cuts here and there to, to fix it up and then publish it. Well, that's awesome. And let me ask you this, because I, I know this is a newer process that you're working through. Uh, those tier two, tier three, have you noticed a, a change in the quality over time as you do more of them? Or is it pretty much, I mean, you guys are all really good. So it's kind of hard to ask, like, it's like, it's like you were asking these world-class athletes, like, did you get better by, you know, you know, I, I get it. Right. But did you, are you seeing that it's easier, faster, you know, cleaner, or, or is it really not changed much as you've done more of them? I, I think they've gotten I think they've gotten better as we go along. Um, I will say I always you know talk to my team and I think that each of us has our own strengths and you know weaknesses of course. And for me, I do it better when I at least have an outline to go over um, than turning the camera on. I find myself stumbling or maybe I forget 
to show a step and then I'm like, darn it, I have to go record again because I forgot that. Whereas like Jason's a rock star and Ryan, they are rock stars at hitting record and they can come up with the right words um, right away and don't need necessarily a whole script. So yeah, I, I, what I see, you know, uh, them create with the tier three are closer to tier one, in my opinion, <laughs> um, <laughs> just them doing that on the fly. Yeah, well, that's well, that's awesome, and I, I hope this inspires people that are listening or watching that you don't need everything to be the highest quality to spend all the time. That, yeah. but I, I, I'm with you. I like a good outline. I can. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I talk a lot for my job, so I'm, I'm okay at it. But like, I always, I always miss stuff, or I always misspeak, and so it's either going to need to be edited, um, mm -hmm. or I'm going to have to, to do, you know, something to make sure I don't miss stuff. Uh, I, yeah. I want to share just a, another comment here. This is a comment from uh, Kelly Barrett over on LinkedIn. Uh, was sharing mm -hmm. with us said, I started the self-help online tutorials or SHOTS is the abbreviation at the IRS yeah. eight years ago using Camtasia for both demo and PowerPoint presentations. We now have over 620 videos to help our uh, 84,000 plus internal employees. That's, that's impressive. Uh, we, uh, Put our scripts for presentations in the notes in PowerPoint. So talking a little bit about his process. For demonstrations, we only ask for screenshots and then ad-lib the steps live as we record ourselves doing the action. So it sounds a little bit like Kelly is doing a little bit more maybe these tier two, tier three. But mm -hmm. I mean, you got 620 videos that are available to helping people. That's pretty yes. impressive. Absolutely. There, yeah, there's definitely a time and a place for those higher tier videos, but there's also nothing wrong with, you know, um, I recall when I had a, we had a short time crunch to have a new system implementation and we needed to get people up and running and we needed a lot of, of you know, content and you don't always have time to, to make all of the polished videos and having something versus nothing is great. And, and if you can use things like a template um, to kind of, you know, get those, go, get those out and look consistent. Um, and I think you get better and better as you go along and practice them too. So definitely nothing wrong with, you know, a tier two, tier three. It doesn't always, certainly doesn't always have to be polished and perfect. And some people really enjoy those more authentic uh, videos. I find that with webinars a lot. Um, when, thankfully, when, you know, if I make a, a goof in the middle of a webinar, sometimes I hear a lot of positive comments of like, oh my gosh, I'm so glad that you had that because I have goofs all the time and it's, really refreshing to see somebody else, you know, not be perfect and polished all the time. Well, if they want to see not perfect and polished all the time, just check out the Visual Hound podcast every <laughs> single week. It's fantastic. So, Chandra, yeah. I want to I want to change. So, we've we've been talking about this process, and I think there's probably more to mm -hmm. explore. There, we'll come. Maybe we'll come back to it. But I want to talk about sure. some other things that you you had mentioned to me in our kind of preparation call. Um, yeah, you, you talked about one of the challenges. Obviously, if we're making 33 different videos every time Snagit is released, which is right now mm -hmm. every single year. Plus throughout the year, you're probably adding content to, to fill in gaps and meet needs. Mm -hmm. That's a lot of content. And you, you presented an idea to me about making videos more evergreen. And I want to talk about that for a second because, you know, if we're talking about like doing all this work, you're throw, if you throw it away every single year, it feels... I mean, one, it's a lot of work to throw, throw away, but it's also just a lot of you're doing things over and over. So let's talk through, how, how do you start going from this mindset of we're going to change everything every year 
to let's make things that are going to last a little bit longer. And, and what can we do to do that? Absolutely. Um, this is my third year here at TechSmith. And I'm just this year, you know, you start to see each year, what are the things that we have to keep updating? And personally, I like to spend more time on new features or new content that people want to learn about versus spending time on maybe one screen changed and now I need to update all these videos and take that time doing that. So here are a couple things. Um, the first one is for us, for a while, we were putting the version of the year for the release. So we'd have like Snagit, Snagit 2019, let's say, in the intro. And so, you know, now we're, you know, coming up a couple years later, uh, the video might still be relevant, but it starts with Snagit 2019. So it looks a little outdated. So one thing you can do is just put Snagit tutorials instead of Snagit 2019 tutorials. Um, that just allows it to be evergreen for a few more years and not have, oh, now I have 13 videos that I have to do new intros uh, to and use your time on those type of things. Um, another one is we found uh, that we often, at the end of our Snagit tutorials, we love to show how easy it is to share your screenshots or your videos that you create in Snagit. And our share menu, though, keeps changing. Um, there's different logos for, you know, the different types of cloud drives that are out there, or uh, even TechSmith products changed a little bit too. So um, you don't want to spend all your time, anytime, you know, having to watch through all your tutorials and say, oh, that shows that old uh, share menu. So some of the things to do instead is, one, decide, does do I need to show the share menu or do I just need to hover over that button? Um, so that can eliminate the need for continuing to update those every year. Another is using that, that simplified uh, feature that I mentioned. So uh, still give them context, let them hit that share menu, but instead when it expands, show the rectangles that indicate that there are options there, but maybe not the specific text um, so that every year I'm not updating that particular piece of a video. Yeah, that makes, I mean, that makes total sense, right? Drop some of the labels that are going to automatically date it. And in fact, uh, I heard this advice recently, even for things like for podcasts or live videos, it's, you know, it's really easy to get something dated. You know, as soon as we mention like, oh, COVID, you know, that obviously puts it in a certain time frame, or, and just to avoid those things in general. And it's easier probably in tutorials than it is in maybe the live day-to-day -day conversation. But yeah. so I love that. I love that idea. Just looking across kind of what those things are. But let me ask you this, because inherently things change and sometimes mm -hmm. things change in the products or change in your tutorial, whatever, to, whatever you're teaching about that are, I don't want to say they're tangential, but they're related to the thing, right? So in Snagit, maybe a button changes that's in the main mm -hmm. menu, you know, on the, uh, up top, but it's not the focus of the tutorial. How mm -hmm. do you decide when uh, like you need to redo the visuals for a, a video like that versus, you know, just letting it be, out of mm -hmm. date because like mm -hmm. I, I get because you don't want to confuse people you don't want to make it hard for them but if it's not you know is it solely because it's not the focus you don't change or other times you make things that help you make that decision absolutely i just had that this year um so snagit had updated and made their recording toolbar um nicer i i love the new toolbar but it was that question of once it's public once it's released do we also need to like stop drop and do 
and redo all of these tutorials so that they have the new recording toolbar? Or can we let it go for a little bit until there's a, another reason to update the tutorial, like content? Um, so we decided, I looked at it, and the first question I thought to myself is, is the change enough that someone couldn't follow along or couldn't understand, or is it moved around so that the, it's completely different process? Or is it just the look is slightly different and they can still follow along step-by-step step, um, with the new toolbar? And in this case, um, there was only maybe one new button that was added that I didn't think would change the context. So I, I went ahead and I didn't you know, drop what I was working on at the time. And I said, you know what, when we do our snag updates later in the year, we'll make sure that we update that recording toolbar. But it's not something that is, you know, really going to impact whether someone can learn from this tutorial or not. Yeah, I, what, what a great, great advice to just keep looking for those things. And if it's not going to change, I like that it's focused on the, the end user, right? If it doesn't change their understanding, you can, you can probably leave it. Because I, I feel like there's a pressure there, uh, maybe in self-imposed, but like we want everything to obviously look right. We want it to be up to date, exactly in sync with everything exactly the way it looks. But I think uh, what I'm taking away from this is it's really okay. If as long as people will understand it, it's not affecting mm -hmm. that understanding makes, makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, so let's, let's talk about this because I want to talk a little bit more about the process here. And I think this gets to our scaling as well. So we've talked about you write scripts and you know, you're going through looking at everything. Mm -hmm. Let's move from script writing to getting to start to create. Yes. I, and I know you, uh, your team typically, and let's except for, we'll say tier one videos, which we explained a little earlier. You're, yeah. you're recording the audio probably separately for those, right? You're recording that first. Mm -hmm. When Walk me through that process. Is it one video at a time or are you multiple? What, what does that all look like to bring it from script into actual mm -hmm. kind of fruition of video creation? Yeah, so one thing, um, before we start to create our tutorials, we gather all of our assets. So anybody who has created videos or tutorials or content, knows that one of the most time consuming pieces is gathering all of your tools, basically your assets. So your intro, your arrows, your colors, um, your outro transitions and deciding which transitions, any sort of sound effects or audio uh, that you might want to add. So what we do to try to speed that process along is we, before we create one tutorial, we create a library of all of our assets. So uh, we create, yeah, that in, the library consists of that intro and Camtasia allows you to, sh to uh, have a theme where you save all of your branding colors. Um, and then you, we even have, sometimes we have to fake our cursors in some of our videos. So we might have a little cursor icon uh, saved in our library that we can quickly uh, use. And once we have all those, it's really great that you can start and have this library and start just pulling things onto the timeline and, and you already got your intro and everything's ready to go um, in that regard. So that's one way to speed up the process. And the next uh, thing, or I didn't know if you had a question on that or if you no, wanted no, me no. to go into next step. Yeah, um, no. yes. So the next step after that, for, for me personally, how I, I operate is I, will record a scratch audio track. So I will read through my script and record it. It's not my polished um, 
audio yet because I often find as I edit the visuals, I sometimes need to add something to my script or subtract. So um, I like to do my final polished audio as the last thing that I do. So yeah, I have my scratch audio track and then I do my screen recording of the steps and then I edit those uh, and, and I time out the uh, audio to the video and add my transitions, clean things up. Um, and then we typically will ship that with the rough audio off for our first review. So we use a product called Video Review um, that is a TechSmith product, but I know there's different products out there as well that allow you to send a video link. And rather than try to type an email, in the past I've had to do that, um, you know, where you've got a five minute video you're reviewing and you're like, at marker, you know, 35 seconds, uh, there's a black screen that appears or those type of things. So this is a, I love the tool that you can just be watching it and you can pause it, add a comment, and it adds a little arrow right at that moment where a change or recommendation needs uh, to be made. So yeah, so we go through that first review um, and kind of you know tear it apart and make sure it looks good. And once we have a couple people have their eyes on that, then we clean up any comments that come from that. And once it looks good, then I do that final audio uh, recording and put it all together and, and uh, yeah, it's ready to go off to localization and into our different tools that we share our videos on. All right, so you've just introduced a whole new process that we've I've never talked about with anyone about, so I'm super excited. Yeah. Uh, so, okay, so the benefit of doing, tell us about the benefit of doing that scratch audio first, because it's super interesting. I think I get it, right? I think I understand the benefits, especially from a review standpoint, but I'd like to hear from you. Like, what what is that giving you and the team versus just getting your master kind of audio done first? So what it does, um, I've always had a difficulty matching up my audio perfectly, you know, if you're trying to add a few words to it. So it is not infrequent at all where I'm watching through my tutorial and I'm showing something and there might be too long of a silence there. And I realize, you know, I, I should give them some more context and add myself saying like, you know, go to the file menu rather than it just going to the file menu or so I, it's, yeah, it's very common that uh, as I'm editing, I have either gaps where I need some more explanation or because you don't see that when you record your script, you're not seeing the visuals along with that and you're not seeing the timing. Uh, mm -hmm. And so, yes, you discover these gaps sometimes, but also in the other side of things, you may um, discover you have too much uh, you're talking too long and don't have enough visuals on your screen um, and may make those changes as well. It's easier to subtract than it is to add when it comes to audio, in my opinion. But yeah. Well, it's uh, so, so fascinating. So I love this idea and I, I, I'm going to have to give this a, a, as a workflow a, a chance because I've not done this. I normally, I'm, I'm of the old school, we record our audio, but I can see also that if the, if your, your reviewers come back and say, ah, this has really got to change, you haven't lost any of the time, right? Something, because I'm with you that like, I know what I've written, I've gone through the script many times, I've followed the steps, mm -hmm. but inherently I missed something, I might've missed something or something, what I thought was clear, Mm -hmm. just isn't clear. It's not actually representative. So I love this, that you get it in place. It's it's easy to change. You throw, have to throw it away. Mm -hmm. Not that big of a deal because you just recorded it at your desk. You're going to do a master recording anyway. Uh, 
gives a chance to really get that that script final. Let me ask you mm-hmm. from from your perspective the timing because this is interesting, right? Like, I'm guessing I'm fairly consistent uh, at pacing. I don't mm-hmm. know. I have my my tutorial voice, right? Uh, yeah. Do you find it's hard to get the match the the master audio? then to fit in? Or are you looking at each little piece and saying, I know it needs to be seven seconds long or or whatever it might be? I actually don't have a problem typically with um, once I do my master. Actually, it's one of my favorite things to do is to have one track that is my, my edited scratch audio and then to bring in my master audio track and then to match the waveforms up because often it's almost exact to see each of these waveforms. Um, and I don't even really have to listen to it to time it. I can do it visually because yeah, it's my voice. And yeah, sometimes I talk faster or slower. So you might see a little deviation in the length, but you still typically see the same fluctuations. Um, yeah, and it's kind of the last thing I do too. So it's kind of like, woohoo, my video's almost done. And I get to do this kind of cool matching up of all of these two tracks. Yeah, no, that's awesome. I love that you're that consistent because I have a feeling I am not. I am like oh. all over the place. As anyone that's watched the show for more than one episode knows, it's like ah. <laughs> but I, so I, I, I love this. I love this uh, so much. Um, when you are doing your master, are you usually waiting kind of to the end and recording multiple masters together, or are you, I know you probably do like one and make sure everything's kind of good stylized. But are, are you trying to do multiple audio recordings together? Or are you just kind of doing the each video and it's done, then you move on to the next one or, or more much more batching of the work? In my case, I do one video at a time, but that's um, because I have easy access to an audio booth to do that when I'm in, well, I guess when we're in the office and pretty easy access to, you know, it, we did have to kind of create a at home environment where we could do recording um, of audio uh, during all of the time um, working remotely. But so that's easy for me, but I could definitely see it being, um, if you are someone who, you know, every other week I only have access to the audio booth and I need to schedule it, it would totally make sense to say, you know, I have three scripts that I need to do the master audio for and record those all at the same time. So I really think that one's a preference or, you know, kind of based on how easy it is. We, I know that our, People who record in our, in German and French, they do quite a few in the same day. Um, so yeah, it's really up to you. Got to have all your tricks ready when you're doing multiple voiceovers in a day. Let the you know make the sure you're tea not wearing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, I want to I want to make sure if anyone's got questions that's watching live, you're welcome to ask questions in the chat. We are of course monitoring that, and we do have a question, Chandra, that came in. Yeah. Uh, Naveen Kumar uh, asked a question about uh, drawing during the recording or mm. doing animations and calling or like animations after the fact. Um, do you have any p- thoughts on what would be more effective? Is it more effective to try to draw during the draw attention or should you do that in the post kind of editing phase of tutorial creation? Yeah, for me, I like to do it in the post just because I it's easier for me to concentrate on kind of the to talk through and record that nice crisp audio separately and um, and the do the screen recording it's really hard to concentrate I feel like on the screen recording and do too many things at once um, 
So for me personally, I actually storyboard and I'll include some of my animations in the storyboard before I do my screen recording. So I'll have um, a drawing, you know, I have my little, little rectangles and either on a whiteboard or on a big piece of paper. And it's just, you know, little stick figures and things like that. But I might put like, hey, I'm going to have an arrow swipe in from the left and point to something in particular. Or I love our sketch motion um, asset that we have that will draw onto it. But yeah, I typically add all of my animations in post. And, and I think that might be also that tier one versus tier three video. You know, what kind of polish level do you want it to have? So I could totally see a tier three would be a great one to be drawing on the screen while you're talking about it. But if you want it super polished, um, you might the tier one might be more of where you want to do that in post-production. Yeah, I'm right there with you in terms of, of, of that process. I, it's hard... I, I I've, lately I just feel like I'm a, a you know squirrel focus wherever and having one more thing to focus on while I'm, and trying to make it look good is, is too much so putting that in post and it's not hard to do in post either so it's not like it's going to take a lot of time so I, I think I'm with you and I think the danger is that you get distracting with those tools right like you know mm -hmm. circling things lines and then you got to get rid of them and so uh, yeah I, I like your advice I think it's 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 really good well. Uh, we're going to still, if any other questions come in, Chandra, we're going to, we'll take those, but, uh, I want to make sure before we move on, cause we're going to do our speed round. I know I told you about it. Get ready. Yeah, uh, before we do that though, if anyone's watching, if you're, or you're listening wherever you are, if you haven't subscribed to any of the YouTube properties, go do that. If you like what you're hearing on the show, we've got lots of these. We do these almost every single week of the year. It's crazy. Uh, but we want you to get all the great information from a fantastic guest about making videos, about using images and whatever you're doing. You can subscribe to the podcast. You can subscribe to YouTube, follow us on LinkedIn, you know, Twitter, you'll see the announcements, or you can just go out to the newsletter, TechSmith newsletter, and get way more great information, be things that is going to point out blog posts and sales and all the great things that you might want to hear about. So, uh, we, we did get it I see I bought some time. Now we got another question from, from JV. Uh, yeah. Jason Vlad asks, what is the most underutilized tool in tutorial creation when using Camtasia? So most underutilized. Ooh. So something that should be using, but it's not getting used enough. What do you think? My favorite right now that I've been playing around with a lot is are the media mat options. So, you know, being able to reveal things by having these, um, these mat kind of masked features in, uh, in Camtasia. So that's if you want to get fancy and, and add some animations. Uh, that's a fun, I guess, under, I would say underutilized tool. Love it. I've got still lots to learn about media mats. There's so many great things in Camtasia. It's, it's, I'm finding I'm getting slower about learning as I don't work on the product directly. It's, it's like, oh, there's that. I got to get, I got to use that. Well, let's do this. Let's jump into our speed round. There's still time to answer some questions here, but we're going to go right into our speed round. So these are short, quick, uh, concise answers and some of them fun, some of them focus on the topic. So here we go. Okay. All right, Chandra, first question up is a fun one. We know you love to paddleboard, but where is your favorite place to go paddleboarding? Sleeping Bear National Park, for sure. Lake Michigan. 
Yeah, what a beautiful place. If, if, if you're not familiar with the United States, you're not familiar with Michigan, it's one of the gems of the world, really, Sleeping Bear National Park. So uh, fantastic. I have to, I've never thought about paddleboarding there. I've never paddleboarded, <laughs> so maybe I'll have to see, see what it's like there. For you, what's the hardest part about making tutorial videos? Script writing is my hardest. Uh, the, sometimes just getting started. But once it gets started, it's, it, you know, it can get in a flow. It's kind of yeah. like that breaking, like, all right, this is my first big process I need to do of this, this and a lot of brainstorming involved. Isn't that what every writer says? Oh, getting started is, it's, it's, it's true for many of the things I do as well. Okay, next question. We're going to deviate from video creation a little bit. What's one thing, because we know you're a Snagit expert, so I'll just preface this. One thing yeah. that you can tell us about Snagit that you think most people won't realize it can do. So what's that hidden feature that you think they should know about? I'd say the two that kind of wowed me the most were the selection tool and smart move. So if you click on the, the move button, it can detect uh, thing, everything on your screen and you can drag and move it around like magic and you can type over things. So especially if you're using those personal identifiable information, um, it's a great tool to be able to click the button and magic happens and then you can uh, delete that personal information or change it up and make fake names yeah, I, I, I think that goes to like the grab text so you can pull things out and turn into text mm -hmm. format or you can actually change text. Although mm -hmm. fonts are a little funky, but that's, it's, it's hard, but it's super cool. Okay, yeah. next question. What is something that you are awesome at that you don't th think most people would know about? Ooh, that's a good question. Um... I, yeah, we already talked about paddleboarding and that's a super passion of mine. I guess I would say cooking paleo goods. Um, I like to try to eat healthy and uh, so I make some really amazing brownies and chocolate chip cookies that you wouldn't know don't have white sugar and white flour in them. <laughs> now I'm hungry for brownies. Thanks, Chandra. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's that's fantastic. Okay, next question is is also a little tougher one to think about. Where do you turn when you need inspiration? So you're getting stuck on writing a script or you're doing something and you just need inspiration. Where do you turn? I'll be honest. I Google things. Um, I remember a while back there was a really cool website that talked about information being beautiful. And it had some really amazing infographics that were both artistic and uh, really conveyed messages really well. So yeah, I'll go peruse the internet and see, you know, kind of see what people are creating and what really wows me uh, to, to get that inspiration. I, I love that. And I heard recently, I'm, I'm going to mess up this quote, but basically that, you know, the idea was, I can't remember the quote, but the idea of it, that you have to keep filling the bucket, right? Like you have to keep filling up that inspiration so that you can then pass it on. And I, 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 this really resonated to me as I've been asking lots of guests here on the visual lounge about their inspiration. It's just, it's so, it's so cool to see where people draw that from because, you know, mm -hmm especially as visual creators, video creators, there's so many cool things out there that, you know, we can, we can learn from just seeing what other people are doing. Yeah. Okay. I would oh, add one more yeah. thing. Board, boredom's another good thing too. So hiking in the woods or making yourself bored and then those things come up. Yeah. I love <laughs> it. We need to be bored more often. Uh, 
Maybe I'll yes. go bo get be bored later on. See if I can get some inspiration. All right, yeah. last last speed round question. We'll see what we've got from the audience. If anything else, um, what's one question you'd like to ask me? Hmm. I would say, what is your favorite part of video creation? Oh gosh, my favorite part of video creation. Maybe this this is such a cheap answer. Maybe. I love the end. Like, I mean, it's, I love seeing it all come together, right? When you, you, you've gotten through the struggle of the beginning of the planning analysis and it feels like it's going nowhere because you're writing and like, oh, this, uh, it's never going to be anything. And then you get to the, like, I think shooting, recording, that's super fun. Um, it's super, like, it's energizing. Like I love, especially we've done a lot of, for TechSmith Academy, a lot of shoots where I, you know, I'm, I get to be the on-air talent, and I think that's super fun. It's exhausting, but fun. But I really love seeing it come out. Like I see the the editing is done, the the work is done, and then it impact the impact it has on people. Um, like so when you get those comments that people are saying, "Oh, this is great. This is fantastic. This really helped me. This changed the way I thought about this." To me, that's the best part about video creation. Um, but you know, if I had to pick an actual part of the process. I do like recording. I think it's a lot of fun to record, particularly on camera stuff. But I mean, there's a mm -hmm. reason I, I do the visual lounge, right? Like that's because yeah. I, I also really get, I, I'm very lucky at what I, I get to do. So, well, I know we did have some, a couple comments. I just like someone, Peter said he loves brownies. So you've made us all very hungry, Chandra. Uh, <laughs> Jesse confirmed that you make amazing cookies. So I think, I think we're pretty, pretty good here, but Chandra, thank you so much for sharing. You you have unloaded so much great information on us. In fact, it's going to require a rewatch through for me to to really process some of the things you talked about. And I hope that everyone who has listened to this or has watched this today really takes to heart some of the things you said because I think if they do some of the things that you've talked about, they not only can make fantastic tutorial videos, but they can make a lot of them at scale, which you know mm -hmm. we know learning professionals, it's never just there's one video due. There's a backlog. I, I worked for a company, no kidding, had a backlog of 400 plus courses. Yikes. And it was, a lot of it was health and safety stuff. A lot of it was stuff that was yeah. required. And it's like, you gotta get through it, but 400 courses and not, not all of them were like one pagers. They're, you know, yeah. it's not like, just read the procedure, you're good. It's like, this is complex systems. And so I think, you know, we all can use a little bit more ability to get more done. So thank you so much for joining with me today. Yes. Thank you for having me. Of course. We'll have to do this again sometime. This is fun. Maybe, maybe we'll, we'll have to do a round robin, get the team on here and have yeah. you guys debate some, some of the, the design stuff. That'd be a lot of fun. Bring, bring Jason and Ryan in. Yes. That's right. It. Awesome. Well, again, thanks to Chandra Owen. We're so grateful for her time and she's so busy getting ready for, for future things and doing the work and taking time out to speak with us today. Hopefully you've learned a lot. And if you have learned a lot, you like what you heard, don't forget to like and subscribe. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. You can take us on your run, on your drive, whatever you're doing. If you don't want to watch it most of the time, it's you can get away without seeing the visuals. So anyways, thanks everybody for tuning in. What we hope is that every week that you do listen in, you take something away, you get a little bit better. Been learning all about habits lately and making good habits. And, you know, the, the saying of 1% a day will make you a much, you know, it's like way better at the end of it, right? At the end of the year. So take what you learned and apply one thing. It's all you got to do. Then the next time, apply the next thing. Keep going until you're way better at making videos and, and, and images. So take that. And we hope that you level up every single day. We'll be back next week 
Elizabeth Pierce, no relation to me, but Elizabeth Pierce is gonna be here. We're gonna be talking about measuring all these videos. So if you're making all these videos, how do you know that they're working? We'll see you guys next week. Take care.